We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Away we go, episode 272 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Wednesday, March 16th, 2022. We have another free agent departure for our commanders, and this departure is a controversial departure. Uh, we do have a major re signing by the commanders. We have a milestone goal for the greatest player in Capitals history and maybe the greatest goal scorer in NHL history, Alex Ovechkin. We have a meaningful update on the Nationals' Steven Strasburg. We have a lot to discuss, you and me, on the show. Great to have you with us. However, you are with us. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher. There are so many ways to get this podcast. I don't even know all of the ways by which you can get this podcast. I just know that there are many ways. Uh, The NCAA tournament has begun. That's a good thing. Uh, We, on Tuesday night, had two of the first four games, which thankfully now are called first four games and not first round games. Boy, was that confusing when the first four games were called first round games and then the games on the first Thursday and Friday of the NCAA tournament were called second round games. Everybody was confused by that. Uh, My wife went to Indiana, so she's happy. 12-seeded IU beat 12-seeded Wyoming 66-58 on Tuesday night. Things have not gone so well for my Maryland Terrapins or her Indiana Hoosiers uh, since my Terps beat her Hoosiers uh, 20 years ago now in the national championship game, although uh, we didn't know each other at the time. Uh, But yeah, the NCAA tournament is here, and the NCAA tournament is great. I mean, college basketball overall is not in a great place right now in terms of the style of play and the general interest in the sport, and certainly in the immediate Washington, D.C. area. uh, We're not exactly at a high point of college basketball, given the seasons that Maryland and Georgetown just had. But the NCAA tournament cannot not be fun. And so these next few days and weeks of college basketball are going to be good. What is not good is this J.D. McKissick situation with our commanders. You know, we have insane inflation 
We have gas prices shooting to the moon. And now we've lost J.D. McKissick, okay? That's the last straw for a lot of people. Uh, But this J.D. McKissick departure is strange. It is bizarre. Uh, He on Tuesday, what was day two of the NFL's legal tampering period, reportedly agreed on an unrestricted free agent contract with the Buffalo Bills, but a mere two-year, $7 million deal. His side seems to be saying that the commanders never even made him an offer. The commanders seem to be saying that they were never even given the chance to match the offer. What the heck happened here? Uh, I'm going to discuss this next segment, as well as discuss the first major move by the commanders in free agency so far, them reportedly agreeing on a deal to re-sign Bobby McCain. You know, the commanders are one of just a handful of NFL teams that have yet to have agreed on a deal with an outside free agent. Not a lot has been happening with the commanders in free agency, doing no small part to uh, so much of their salary cap space, about to be gobbled up by the Carson Wentz contract. The Carson Wentz trade, by the way, can become official on Wednesday when the new league year begins at 4 p.m. Eastern. Also on this installment of the Al Galdi podcast, I will discuss an historic night for the Caps' Alex Ovechkin. Career regular season goal number 767 to surpass the ex-Cap, Yaramir Yager, for sole possession of third place on the NHL's all-time list of players with the most regular season goals in NHL history. And this goal by Ovechkin came in yet another Caps win, a 4-3 shootout win over the New York Islanders at Capital One Arena on Tuesday night. Uh, This podcast gives you commander's content like no other podcast, but never forget this podcast does not ignore the Caps. Uh, Nor does this podcast ignore the Nationals, and I will be talking Nats later in the show as Steven Strasburg on Tuesday at Nats Spring Training in West Palm Beach, Florida, threw to live batters. Uh, Nats manager Davey Martinez talked quite a bit about Strasburg and what the thinking is with him as he's coming back from season-ending surgery this past July 28th to address neurogenic thoracic outlet syndrome, you will hear all of the key audio from Davey, as well as hear Davey give us an interesting reveal on Tuesday. Uh, Davey said that he would love for Cesar Hernandez to be the Nats' leadoff hitter this coming season. The same Cesar Hernandez who for the 2021 regular season had an on-base percentage of just 308. Uh, I shall discuss. Uh, You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. I have been getting some feedback on the potential for the commanders to be cleaning up when it comes to compensatory draft picks. Tweet from Mike, one thing that gets lost in the Mitchell Trubisky versus Carson Wentz debate is signing Trubisky as a free agent could have canceled the Brandon Sheriff comp pick. Also, Trubisky's deal could be more expensive than it appears, depending on how easily the incentives are reached. Still, the commander's Paid too much for Wentz. Email from Kevin. Haven't seen anyone mention this yet, but given the fact that we have lost Brandon Sheriff to free agency and that Carson Wentz is eating most of our available salary cap space for the 2022 season, it looks like we're in line for some type of comp pick. I can't think of any free agent signings that would cancel out Sheriff unless we do something completely unexpected. If we do end up getting that comp pick, I think it's worth considering when we evaluate the trade compensation to acquire Wentz. Much easier to take when we're not outright losing a third rounder this year, even if the comp pick comes at the end 
of the round. As always, love the show. Keep up the excellent work. Well, thank you for that, Kevin. So let's talk compensatory draft picks in the NFL. The NFL on Tuesday actually announced comp picks for the 2022 NFL draft. The commanders, not surprisingly, did not get any comp picks. The comp picks for the 2022 draft are based on what happened in free agency last offseason. And of course, what happened in free agency last offseason included Washington signing Ryan Fitzpatrick, Curtis Samuel, and William Jackson III. So let's make a few things clear about comp picks because I feel like there's always confusion with comp picks. The NFL first handed out compensatory draft picks in 1994 off the start of modern free agency in the 1993 offseason and the institution of the salary cap in 1994. The idea was that teams that did not make splashes in free agency would be rewarded with compensatory picks as a means to even things out. Now, the NFL uses a secret proprietary formula for determining compensatory picks. After all of these years, we still do not know the exact formula. Why the NFL keeps this formula cloaked in secrecy, I do not know. We do know that the basis for compensatory picks for a team is what happened with the team in free agency the previous offseason, who the team lost and who the team gained. So just losing premier free agents doesn't get you compensatory picks. Whether you get compensatory picks depends on uh, who you signed in free agency. Uh, OverTheCap.com has done a lot of work regarding compensatory picks, and what seem to matter are a few things. Number one, the average annual values, the AAVs of contracts signed. Number two, players' playing times in the players' initial seasons with new teams. And number three, any postseason honors accrued by players for their work in their initial seasons with new teams. Again, all of this is educated guesswork because the NFL refuses to make the compensatory draft pick formula public. So that the commanders have lost Brandon Sheriff to the Jacksonville Jaguars on a big money contract and that the commanders do not seem to be signing any free agent acquisitions to big money contracts would seem to set up the commanders to get what would be the highest possible comp pick which is a third round comp pick and you know maybe these free agent defections of Tim Settle and JD McKissick end up resulting in another comp pick or picks for the commanders who the heck knows but uh the comp pick that the commanders would get, say, for Brandon Sheriff bolting would not be until the 2023 NFL draft. And as Kevin noted, a comp pick comes at the end of the picks round. In other words, a third round comp pick comes after the normal third round, but before the start of the fourth round. A comp pick isn't a pick from the team that signed the player. A comp pick is an additional pick manufactured by the NFL for a draft. So a third round comp pick is more like a third and a half round pick than the pick is a third round pick. Uh, As for Mitchell Trubisky versus Carson Wentz uh, and a comp pick, I would not let the potential for a comp pick enter into my thinking in terms of who the commanders would have been better off getting. Trubisky reportedly is only getting a two-year $14.25 million contract with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I get that he can make more than that, but he would have to be great to cancel out the money that Brandon Sheriff is getting from the Jags. Sheriff with the Jags reportedly is signing a three-year $49.5 million contract 
with $30 million fully guaranteed. But just getting beyond the contract numbers, the commanders in evaluating Trubisky versus Wentz should only have considered who the team thinks is better and will be better. The position of quarterback is too important to be worrying about a comp pick. You start with who you think is better and will be better, and then you start considering things like what you would have to pay for those guys, what, if anything, you would have to give up to get those guys, etc. But, you know, with Wentz, if he works out it, for the Commanders. If he plays well for the Commanders, if Commander Carson conquers for the Commanders, then what the Commanders are giving up to get him and what they're paying him won't really matter. You know, I mean, I guess that is a bright spot to all of this. Like, at the end of the day, if Carson Wentz does well as a Commanders quarterback, nobody will really care what the Commanders gave up to get him and what the commanders are paying him. Now, conversely, if Commander Carson is a flop, if Commander Carson is a bust, uh, then heck yeah, what the commanders are giving up to get him and what they're paying him uh, will be thrown right back into the face of Ron Rivera. Uh, Email from Mike on the commanders trading for Carson Wentz. Writes Mike, love the show. I listen on my way to work every morning. No better way to get my day started than by hearing about the messes that my Washington commanders, unbelievable I'm calling them that, are going through. Well, thank you, Mike. Continues, Mike. I've been thinking about the Wentz trade, and I think as a fan base, we are being too negative about the trade. Looking at the quarterback market, the reality is we were never close to Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, or Aaron Rodgers. We really couldn't have offered much more for Wilson than we reportedly did. No matter what we offered, that wasn't going to happen. With our choices, Wentz is as good or better than what was available. With our opponents alone, I can count nine very winnable games next season, even without Wentz. Anyone saying that Taylor Heineke is as good as Wentz is delusional. I love Taylor, but Wentz to me seems objectively better. With that in mind, a double-digit win season doesn't seem too far-fetched. Maybe I'm crazy, but how can we be upset with that as Commanders fans? Right now, the Super Bowl-caliber quarterbacks clearly don't see Washington as a desirable place for them to have success. Though Wentz will never get us to a Super Bowl, what he can do is make us at least desirable for a big quarterback of the future. Who knows? Every year, someone seems to miraculously become available. This is a step in the right direction, and I think we need to see that as a fan base. Wentz is an upgrade, and if we take a swing at a quarterback in the draft, I think we are in as good of a spot as we could hope to be at this point. Good email, Mike. I like that email. You make a number of good points. Uh, Look, there's no debating that. If you just evaluate what each guy did this past season, Carson Wentz on the field was better than Taylor Heineke on the field. And I say that as someone who is a big fan of Tay-Tay. I say that as someone who was never as down on Taylor Heineke as a lot of other people uh, were down. But, you know, if you engage in the objective methodology, you really can't argue that Heineke was better than Wentz this past season. No, Wentz was better than Heineke. Uh, Carson Wentz for the 2021 regular season had a total QBR per ESPN of 54.7. Heineke for the 2021 regular season had a total QBR of just 39.9. Big difference. Uh, Wentz for the 2021 regular season had an overall grade for pro football focus of 70.9. Heineke for the 2021 
regular season had an overall grade for PFF of just 59.4. Big difference. Uh, Wentz for the 2021 regular season had a PFF wins above replacement of 1.56. Heineke for the 2021 regular season had a PFF war of 0.7. Big difference. Carson Wentz's PFF war for this past regular season more than doubled the PFF war of Heineke for this past regular season. So objectively speaking, Wentz on the field in the 2021 regular season was better than Heineke was on the field. And so yeah, in that regard, the commanders are getting a significant upgrade at the most important position in sports. In fact, if you follow the Pro Football Focus Offseason Improvement Index, do you know which NFL team is the number three team in terms of most improved NFL teams so far this NFL offseason? Yeah, the Commanders. The Denver Broncos are number one. The Los Angeles Chargers are number two. And the Commanders are number three. The Pro Football Focus Offseason Improvement Index is based on percent improvement in wins above replacement, war per PFF, based on offseason roster moves. The Commanders, purely through this upgrade at quarterback, are the number three most improved team so far this NFL offseason per the PFF Offseason Improvement Index. Now, what does this guarantee? Absolutely nothing, okay? But I do think that that's really interesting. Now, all of that said, off the field is a different conversation. We have leadership questions with Carson Wentz. We have questions with Wentz regarding how he takes to coaching. We have the screaming red flag of the Indianapolis Colts trading Wentz just one year after giving up a 2022 conditional first round pick into 2021 third round pick to the Philadelphia Eagles for Wentz. And we don't have any of these types of concerns with Taylor Heineke, okay? Ain't nobody questioning Tay-Tay's leadership. Ain't nobody questioning Tay-Tay's willingness to be coached. Everyone loves Taylor Heineke as a guy. Everyone raves about Taylor Heineke as a person. So I do wonder how Carson Wentz's commander's teammates will take to him because we know how Heineke's Washington teammates have taken to him. And hopefully all of this Wentz leadership stuff and willingness to be coached stuff proves to be overblown. But these things came up during his time with the Eagles. These things now have come up with his time with the Colts. I mean, one time is one thing. Two times is a trend. Up next, the latest on the commanders in free agency. J.D. McKissick is gone. What happened? Bobby McCain is being re-signed. Is that the right move? I'll get to all of that after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, so Tuesday was day two of the NFL's legal tampering period, and we on day two of the NFL's legal tampering period had good news and bad news regarding our commanders. The bad news is that the team is losing J.D. McKissick. The good news is that the team is re-signing Bobby McCain, although if you're not a McCain fan, then I guess the commanders re-signing McCain also qualifies as bad news. But I do actually consider that good news. Uh, More on that in a bit. But let's start with McKissick because this is confusing and this has become controversial. So uh, this is a tough loss. Uh, To me, there's no way around that. Now, maybe this ends up not being a bad loss. Maybe the commanders replace McKissick with someone better than him, and or maybe McKissick ends up never duplicating what he did with Washington over the 2020 and 2021 seasons. But if you're just talking about the production that McKissick provided over his two seasons with Washington, his free agent defection is a tough loss for the commanders. Uh, J.D. McKissick on Tuesday reportedly agreed on an unrestricted free agent contract with the Buffalo Bills. Now, what immediately struck me and what I'm guessing uh, immediately struck you or quickly struck you uh, was the money. So it had been said that J.D. McKissick was going to have a juicy market. Well, he ended up agreeing on a reported two-year, $7 million contract with the Bills. That's it. Two years, $7 million. Uh, Now, I get that the commanders don't have a lot of salary cap space thanks to the Carson Wentz trade, but again, two years, $7 million. That's all that McKissick is getting from the Bills. Now, there is confusion, real confusion over what happened here. So, you know, as we're all sort of thinking about why the heck didn't the commanders at least match that offer from the Bills, if not surpass that offer from the Bills? I mean, that's not a lot of money. You know, I'm not a big proponent at all of teams spending big money on running backs, but two years, $7 million is not big money. Well, Commander's Insider Nikki Javala of the Washington Post on Tuesday afternoon tweeted that she was told that the commanders did not make a contract offer to J.D. McKissick to try to resign him. Uh, That obviously would suggest that the commanders didn't want McKissick back. Now, that was odd because it certainly had sounded like the commanders wanted McKissick back, certainly had been reported that the commanders wanted McKissick back, but Per Nikki Javala, the commanders did not even make McKissick a contract offer. And, you know, just logically, that would seem to be something that came from Camp McKissick. Well, we then got this. Commanders insider Ben Standig of The Athletic on Tuesday afternoon reported that the commanders believed that their opportunity to match an offer to McKissick would come 
but that such an opportunity did not come per, quote, a source close to the situation, end quote. Uh, Now, my guess would be that that source close to the situation has a name that rhymes with Schman Schmavera, okay? So what Nikki Javala reported, I think pretty clearly came from Camp J.D. McKissick, and what Ben Standig reported, I think pretty clearly came from Camp Commanders, uh, and I would not be stunned at all if that came directly from, again, a man whose name rhymes with Schman Schmavera. But wrote Ben Standig regarding what happened here with J.D. McKissick, quote, the commanders allowed the running back to test the market. The Bills pounced with a deal that could reach $8 million at the finish line. Washington believed it was not given the chance to match Buffalo's offer, according to a source close to the situation, end quote. So a lot of how you feel about what happened here with J.D. McKissick is going to depend on whose story you're believing, the story of Camp J.D. McKissick or the story of Camp Commanders. I do hope that we're going to get more clarity on what happened here. But what I think is safe to say is the following. So we know that the commanders were slow playing this J.D. McKissick situation. Commander's General Manager Martin Mayhew talked about that at his press conference at the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis a few weeks ago. And the danger when you slow play a negotiation is something like this can happen. You know, you can start to turn off the player with whom you are negotiating. You can just simply lose touch with the player with whom you are negotiating. Uh, You can have miscommunication with the player with whom you are negotiating. I mean, ultimately, the commanders didn't get the deal done, you know? Ultimately, the onus is on you, the club, to get a deal done. And if you're not hearing back from J.D. McKissick, or if you have not heard from J.D. McKissick in a while, then you need to keep calling J.D. McKissick, or keep calling J.D. McKissick's agent, and make sure that what apparently happened here doesn't happen. And that is that he agrees on a contract without ever coming back to you. Now, if you're not really that interested in resigning J.D. McKissick, well, then that's a different story. But again, everything that we had read and heard was that the commanders wanted J.D. McKissick back. Now, the thing that I thought about when all of this happened was, well, what about the J.D. McKissick injury situation? I do wonder if J.D. McKissick's health played a role in any of this. McKissick played in just 11 of Washington's 17 games in the 2021 regular season. He missed the team's final six games due to a concussion and a neck injury. Uh, We believe that the two things happened on the same play. Uh, McKissick in Washington's 17-15 win over the Seattle Seahawks at FedEx Field on Monday Night Football in Week 12 got injured on a fourth quarter, third and 12, eight-yard reception. He lay on the field for multiple minutes. It was a scary scene. He got stretchered off the field, although he thankfully was sitting up on the stretcher, but McKissick never played again in the 2021 season. So maybe it is that Rod Rivera and the commanders look at J.D. McKissick and say, hey, you know what? We're not trusting that health of him missing the final six games of our 2021 regular season, and we feel like we can find someone younger and cheaper than J.D. McKissick to do as McKissick did for us over the last two seasons. Okay, fine. But again, why did you keep talking about how you wanted to re-sign 
J.D. McKissick. Uh, J.D. McKissick was a very good player for Washington. Make no mistake, Washington in March 2020 signed McKissick as an unrestricted free agent to a two-year, $3.27 million contract. He finished the 2020 regular season at number 12 among 52 non-qualified NFL running backs and rushing DVOA for football outsiders. McKissick in the 2020 regular season, 85 carries for 365 yards. That's 4.29 yards per carry and a touchdown. McKissick finished the 2020 regular season with 80 receptions, second most receptions ever in a regular season by a Washington running back. And while McKissick in the 2021 regular season only played in 11 games, he still overall had a good season. Uh, McKissick finished the 2021 regular season number five among 52 non-qualified NFL running backs in rushing DVOA for football outsiders. McKissick in the 2021 regular season, 48 carries for 212 yards, 4.42 yards per carry, and two touchdowns. And McKissick finished the 2021 regular season at number 12 among qualified NFL running backs in receiving DVOA Pro Football Outsiders. J.D. McKissick, over his two seasons with Washington, was one of the best pass-catching running backs in the NFL. He was very efficient as a ball carrier. He was trusted in pass protection. He isn't yet 30. Uh, The 2022 season will be just McKissick's age 29 season. So if, in fact, it's true that the commanders didn't make a contract offer to McKissick, you got to say to yourself, okay, well, did they just not trust the health? Or is this miscommunication thing true, that the commanders were expecting McKissick to come back to them with any significant offer that he received, and McKissick just never came back to them? Although, again, I would say the onus is still on the club. Make sure that you are remaining in contact with Kent McKissick so that what may have happened here doesn't happen, because that would be the nightmare scenario. You wanted to keep J.D. McKissick, but you end up losing J.D. McKissick because you did not stay in contact with J.D. McKissick. Now, I have seen some people suggest that McKissick didn't want to re-sign with the commanders. Uh, You know, I guess that's possible. But, you know, most players respond to money. A two-year, $7 million contract is not a lot of money if you're J.D. McKissick, you know, relatively speaking here. So why wouldn't you at least go back to the commanders, say, hey, the Bills are offering me two years, $7 million, what say you? And even if you don't really want to resign with the commanders, you at least get the commanders to respond to the Bills offer, and then you take that commander's offer back to the Bills and see if the Bills will up their offer. I mean, that's how these negotiations work many times. Uh, So it's odd to me that McKissick wouldn't have at least done that. So that's why I wonder about what exactly is true here. Uh, I also have seen some people suggest that Carson Wentz doesn't traditionally throw to running backs. And so J.D. McKissick's role with the commanders moving forward would not have been what his role had been with Washington over the last two years. I mean, uh, maybe, but J.D. McKissick isn't just a running back. Uh, He can line up in the slot He can line up on the outside. McKissick is essentially a combo running back receiver. Heck, he was a receiver in college. McKissick was a receiver at Arkansas State. So the commanders are going to have to replace McKissick. Uh, They can. I mean, it's not like he's irreplaceable, but he does need to be replaced. Uh, Maybe Antonio Gibson finally becomes 
more of a pass catcher. Maybe Jarrett Patterson emerges as a viable offensive force. Maybe the commanders will be signing a running back in free agency or taking a running back in the NFL draft, but McKissick's role in production need to be replaced, especially given the frequency with which Gibson is banged up. So J.D. McKissick is gone, and there's some confusion and controversy regarding why he's gone, but Bobby McCain is staying. Uh, We on Tuesday had multiple reports that safety Bobby McCain has agreed to re-sign with the commanders. He had been said to be an unrestricted free agent. The commanders are re-signing McCain to a reported two-year $11 million contract. It had been reported that the commanders wanted to re-sign McCain, but like we just discussed, it also had been reported that the commanders wanted to re-sign McKissick. So we're not always sure what to believe. Uh, Washington initially signed Bobby McCain last May 17th off him having been released by the Miami Dolphins on May 6th. As you may recall, Washington last May signed two guys who had just been released, McCain and left tackle Charles Leno Jr., who had just been released by the Chicago Bears. So what kind of a 2021 season did Bobby McCain have for Washington? Well, uh, the answer is complicated. So McCain for the 2021 regular season led Washington in defensive snaps, uh, 93.13%. He played in all 17 of Washington's games in the 2021 regular season. He, for the 2021 regular season, led the team with four interceptions and was number two on the team with nine pass defenses. Now, I don't put a ton of stock in that interception total. Two of McCain's four interceptions came in the win at the New York Giants in Week 18, but I do put a good bit of stock in McCain being number one on Washington in defensive snaps for the 2021 regular season. Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio clearly trusted Bobby McCain. Now, McCain was a big part of a Washington secondary that was terrible during the team's 2-6 and six start to the 2021 regular season. But McCain also was a big part of a Washington secondary that played well in six of the team's final nine games in the 2021 regular season. McCain's overall grade for pro football focus for the 2021 regular season was 70.9. Uh, that's not great, but that is passable. Uh, there's also this too. I mean, Bobby McCain is not a fan favorite, okay? Now, that should not enter into the equation of whether the commanders should be resigning Bobby McCain. But I know for a lot of you listening, you know, Bobby McCain is not at the top of your list in terms of favorite commanders players. Uh, I don't know many commanders fans who have uh, Terry McLaurin number one, Jonathan Allen number two, and Bobby McCain number three. And a lot of this has to do with he and the rest of the secondary playing so poorly over Washington's first eight games of the 2021 regular season. But some of this also is a result of that obnoxious lecturing that Bobby McCain gave us during his postgame press conference after the 34-30 win at the Atlanta Falcons in week four. Do you remember this? Take a listen. When we start balling and we start, you know, playing our asses off, I want y'all to write the same shit y'all writing. At the end of the day, we came out of here with a W. So make sure you write that down. We came out of here with a W. That should be first. Y'all be easy. Yeah, I was not a fan of that from Bobby McCain after the win at the Falcons this past October 3rd. I get that McCain was sticking up for his teammates and trying to be a leader, but nobody 
And I mean, nobody was interested in hearing that from McCain at the time, given how poorly Washington's defense, especially the secondary, was playing. So yes, Washington did win that game at the Falcons, but Washington won that game at the Falcons despite allowing the Falcons to go 10 of 16 on third downs. Washington won that game at the Falcons despite allowing Matt Ryan to have four touchdown passes versus no interceptions. Again, nobody, and I mean nobody, was interested in being lectured to by Bobby McCain, especially considering that McCain had just signed with the team less than five months earlier. However, I am good with the commanders re-signing Bobby McCain. The money certainly isn't massive. Two years, $11 million. He's familiar with what Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio are doing defensively. McCain was better as last season went on. Uh, so you'll have continuity on the back end next season in terms of McCain and Cameron Curl as your top two safeties and Kendall Fuller and William Jackson the third as your top two corners. Uh, Bobby McCain is relatively young, and he has been mostly durable. Uh, The 2022 season will be McCain's age 29 season, and McCain, over his seven NFL seasons, 2015 through 2021, has played in 104 of a possible 113 regular season games. He, in the 2019 regular season, played in just nine games due to a shoulder injury, but otherwise, this guy's been durable. I mean, again, he, last regular season, played in all 17 of Washington's games. Uh, McCain also offers Ron Rivera's favorite thing, position flex. Position flex. Uh, Yes, Ron, position flex. Uh, McCain for the Dolphins played both free safety and nickel corner. In fact, his best single season, regular season overall grade with the Dolphins for Pro Football Focus was 76.4 in 2017 when he was a nickel corner. Uh, Look, a big item for the commanders that isn't getting nearly enough attention this offseason is what truly was the deal with the defense last season? Why was the defense so wretched over the first eight games of last regular season? And how do we make sure that that doesn't happen again? If Ron Rivera believes that re-signing Bobby McCain is part of ensuring that the defense is good for all of next season as opposed to part of next season, then great. I'm fine with Bobby McCain being re-signed. Keep in mind, McCain did play a lot for a 2020 Dolphins defense. That was very good against the pass. So McCain in the 2020 regular season played in 16 games with 15 starts and was number two on the Dolphins in defensive snaps. And he did this for a Dolphins team that finished the 2020 regular season at number six in the NFL in pass defense for football outsiders DVOA metric and number one in the NFL in third down defense. Uh, The commander's defense getting its act together is, to me, an under-discussed storyline so far this commander's offseason. So let us hope that the re-signing of Bobby McCain will prove to be part of the defense getting its act together. Well, we on Tuesday night had yet another milestone goal for the greatest player in Capitals history, and we had another Caps win. Uh, Alex Ovechkin on Tuesday night surpassed an ex-Cap, Yaramir Yager, for sole possession of third place on the NHL's list of players with the most regular season goals in NHL history. Ovechkin continues to climb the NHL's all-time goals list, and the Caps continue to win. The Caps beat the New York Islanders 4-3 in a shootout 
at Capital Win Arena on Tuesday night. The Caps this season now are 33-18-10 and and have 76 points. Now, the Boston Bruins also won on Tuesday night, a 2-1 overtime win at the Chicago Blackhawks. So the Caps still are three points behind the Bruins for the top wildcard spot in the Eastern Conference. But the Caps now are 13 points ahead of the Columbus Blue Jackets for the second wildcard spot in the Eastern Conference. The top two wildcard teams in each conference will make the Stanley Cup playoffs. So the Caps continue to have a very nice cushion in the Eastern Conference wildcard standings. And the Caps keep winning. The Caps now have won five of their last six games. Uh, The Caps on Tuesday night overcame a 2-1 third period deficit, though the Caps did blow a 3-2 third period lead. But the story of the night was Alex Ovechkin surpassing Yaramir Yager for sole possession of third place on the NHL's list of players with the most regular season goals in NHL history. Ovechkin scored an even strength goal 15-02 into the third period for his 767th career regular season NHL goal. And how about how Ovechkin scored the goal? He scored on a snapshot from the right circle immediately after a faceoff win by Evgeny Kuznetsov, of all people. Uh, If you know Evgeny Kuznetsov, you know that he's not exactly known as being great on faceoffs, but he on Tuesday night actually went 10-7 and on faceoffs, and Ovechkin's historic goal came off, and Evgeny Kuznetsov Face-off win. Uh, I'm not sure that many people have that happening, uh, but that's exactly what happened. Uh, Ovechkin passes Yager on the all-time goals list in 477 fewer regular season games played. Uh, That's impressive. And Ovechkin has become now the NHL's all-time European goal scorer. Uh, The only guys now ahead of Ovechkin on the NHL's list of players with the most regular season goals in NHL history are Gordie Howe at 801 and Wayne Gretzky at 894. So the list is Gretzky, number one, 894. Howe, number two, 801. And Ovechkin, number three, 767. You know that Ovi is going to pass Howe. The question remains, will Ovi ultimately pass Gretzky? I do think that the answer is yes. I mean, Alex Ovechkin is showing, like, no signs of slowing down. Here was Caps head coach Peter Laviolette during his postgame press conference on Tuesday night on Alex Ovechkin goal number 767. That was awesome. I mean, it was a big goal at the time. They're all big, but that was a big one at the time and a meaningful goal. And, um... You know, then to come back and put a win on the end of it, which makes it even a better night where you get a chance to enjoy it and take a second. Not that we wouldn't have, but, um, you know, it's just a, a good ending to a good night. Yes, it was. Peter Laviolette later in his press conference on Tuesday night was asked whether there now is a sense of relief that Alex Ovechkin got the goal to surpass Yarmir Yager for sole possession of third place on the NHL's list of players with the most regular season goals in NHL history. It didn't it didn't feel like it to me. I didn't get that sense in the room from him or from the guys. I mean, he loves the game. He loves to score goals. If he didn't do it tonight, he would have done it, you know, two nights from now. It's, yeah. It was going to happen. And um, but maybe, maybe he, maybe he was. You know, he doesn't. He didn't lead that on. He's he, he comes to the rink. He loves coming to work, and he loves playing the game. And so that's to me, that's what you see on a daily basis. And I think it's nice to get it out of the way and move past it. But I didn't sense that maybe that stress that you're talking about. 
Yeah, there will never be enough good things that can be said about Alex Ovechkin, the player. And, you know, he, on Tuesday night, didn't just score the goal. Ovechkin, in addition to the big goal, had a game-high seven shots on goal. Ovechkin had a game-high nine shot attempts. Ovechkin had a game-high six hits. I mean, Ovechkin isn't just a goal scorer. That's the thing about him that really needs to be appreciated. He's far more than just some, you know, fancy pants goal scorer. He's a physical player. He's a durable player. Uh, Ovechkin on Tuesday night did commit a third period unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, but uh, that can be forgiven. Ovechkin this season now number five in the NHL with 37 goals and tied for number nine in the NHL with 72 points. But Alex Ovechkin was not the only cap who stood out in this 4-3 shootout win over the Islanders at Capital One Arena on Tuesday night. Anthony Mantha scored a first period even strength goal and had the game-winning goal in the shootout. Axel Janssen Fialvi scored a goal on Tuesday night. You say, who? What? Yes, Axel Janssen Fialvi. Even strength goal in the third period for his first career NHL regular season goal. The Caps on Tuesday night again were without multiple key players. Now you have forward Coral Haglin out indefinitely of having undergone left eye surgery on March 1st for an injury that he suffered in practice earlier in the day. You have forward Joe Snively out due to a left wrist injury. Uh, the Caps on March 6th announced that Snively had undergone a left wrist procedure and would be out four to six weeks. And now the Caps are without center Lars Eller as he is out due to being on the NHL's COVID-19 protocol list. Yeah, we're back to the Caps now missing a key guy due to him being on the NHL's COVID-19 protocol list. And so on Tuesday night, among the forwards for the Caps was Axel Janssen Fialbi. Even strength goal in the third period for his first career NHL regular season goal. Axel Janssen Fialbi becomes the ninth different Caps rookie this season to score his first career NHL regular season goal. So we on Tuesday night had Alex Ovechkin scoring his 767th career NHL regular season goal. And we had Axel Janssen Fialbi scoring his first career NHL regular season goal. But yeah, nine different Caps rookies this season have scored their first career NHL regular season goals. Says a lot about the extent to which the Caps have had to dip down deep into their organization, as is said in hockey, given all of the absences with which the Caps have dealt. But the list of Caps rookies this season who have scored their first career NHL regular season goals. Beck Malenstein, Alexi Protus, Hendricks Lapierre, defenseman Martin Fehervari, Connor McMichael, Brett Leeson, Garrett Pilon, Joe Snively, and now Axel Janssen Fialbi. Uh, also on Tuesday night, another good game for Evgeny Kuznetsov. I mentioned him going 10-7 and on faceoffs. He also had two primary assists, and he was number two on the Caps with six shots on goal. Uh, Vitek Vanacek was the cap starting goaltender on Tuesday night. Fifth time in six games that Vanacek was the cap starting goaltender. He stopped 29 of the 32 shots on goal that he faced. Vanacek, per natural stat trick, did stop just two of the four high danger shots on goal that he faced, and he gave up a goal on a medium danger shot on goal. The puck possession battle for the game was about even, but the Caps per natural stat trick finished the game with 10 five-on-five high danger shot attempts to the Islanders' four. Caps did a good job of preventing the high danger shot on Tuesday night, so it was at least a little disappointing to see Vanacek 
give up three goals. So the Caps went one of one on the penalty kill, did not have a single power play the entire game, but the Caps won, and uh, next up for them is a two-game road trip uh, at the Columbus Blue Jackets Thursday night at 7, so an opportunity to establish even more cushion in the Eastern Conference wildcard standings, and then the Caps will play on Friday night, so the Caps have a back-to-back coming up at the Blue Jackets Thursday night at 7, and at the Metropolitan Division-leading Carolina Hurricanes Friday night at 7. So we on Tuesday at National Spring Training in West Palm Beach, Florida, had something that in some ways was not that big of a deal, but in other ways was a huge deal. And that something was Steven Strasburg facing live batters and all indications being that things went well. Uh, On the one hand, it's like, okay, fine. Uh, We still have such a long way to go until we're anywhere near close to being able to say that Strasburg is back. But on the other hand, we have received so few updates on how Strasburg is doing, and he seemingly has such an uphill climb from that from which he's trying to come back that any good news should be welcome big time. Uh, Steven Strasburg last July 28th underwent season-ending surgery to address neurogenic thoracic outlet syndrome, TOS. Uh, TOS is maybe the single worst pitching injury that a pitcher can have. Uh, TOS truly is what ruined Matt Harvey, uh, although we have since learned that uh, the Dark Knight of Gotham uh, also may have had a drug problem. Uh, but TOS is very bad news for a pitcher. And Strasburg is trying to come back from TOS, and he's trying to come back from TOS off having made just seven regular season starts over the last two seasons, which just happened to have been the first two seasons of a seven-year, 245 million dollar contract to which he was re-signed in December 2019. Uh, That contract right now is maybe the worst contract in all of sports. Uh, This was Nats manager Davey Martinez in a press conference on Tuesday on how Steven Strasburg looked on Tuesday. I thought he threw the ball well. Uh, It's the first time he felt uh, face live hitters and um, the ball was coming out fine. I mean, I I think there was a, a lot of fluidity uh, today and I think he was happy with it and um, so we'll, we'll go from there but um, I, I was good to see him back on the mound facing hitters. All right uh, what about a timeline for Steven Strasburg? Now Strasburg himself spoke to reporters on Tuesday first time that Strasburg had spoken to reporters since undergoing the surgery back on July 28th of last year. Strasburg said that he wants to take a usual six-week ramp-up routine as opposed to being on this uh, expedited ramp-up routine that most pitchers are on uh, with this abbreviated spring training season due to the lockout. Uh, Here was Davey on Tuesday on if he knows yet whether Strasburg will remain in West Palm Beach, Florida after the Nats break camp to begin their regular season, which will begin on April 7th. Well, my focus is 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 uh, was today. Get him through today. Um, tomorrow, we'll have another conversation. See how he's doing after today. Um, as of right now, his progression is uh, two days off, and then uh, he's going to get a up down and throw uh, two innings, and then we'll go uh, again live BP, and then we'll see how he bounces back from that. But I'm not I'm not putting anything on him right now. We're just gonna like I said, it's going to be a process. And we'll see. We'll see where we end up. Yeah, and to me, the key words from Davey Martinez right there were process, and we'll see where we end up. Uh, there should be zero expectations 
with Steven Strasburg this season. Now, there should be hope with Steven Strasburg this season, but there should be zero expectations. And I know that that may sound odd, given that this is a guy in the midst of, again, a seven-year, 245 million dollar contract. But to me, if you're a Nats fan, count on nothing from Steven Strasburg this season. And so if you get anything from him, then great. And I think that the Nats really should be thinking about Strasburg this way. Now, the Nats shouldn't come out and say that, but I think internally that should be the thinking. I mean, he has made a total of, again, just seven regular season starts over the last two seasons. His career as we know it is in jeopardy. And I know that that may sound dramatic, Uh, But that is the truth. We may never again see the Steven Strasburg who we came to know. The 2019 World Series MVP Steven Strasburg may never be seen again. It's a real shame, okay? It's really scary what has happened to him uh, with this injury issue that he's had over the last two years. And by the way, the hope is that thoracic outlet syndrome explains all of the injury problems that Strasburg has had over the last two seasons. But I don't even know that that is a guarantee. I hope that we someday see the Steven Strasburg who we saw in October 2019 again. I am rooting hard for the guy, but I can't emphasize enough how destructive TOS has been to pitchers. Uh, One more from Davey Martinez on Tuesday. Davey on Tuesday on the plan for Steven Strasburg. Yeah, I mean, we're going to build him up and it's going to be based on where we feel he's at and where he thinks he's at. And then uh, there'll be a whole lot of you know conversations, dialogue with them. Um, but you know, like I said, uh, today, today was a good day, um, and, I, and I, he did well. And uh, like I said, he's happy about it. And I told him, "We'll see how see how you come back tomorrow." And um, but um, it was really good to see him on the mound. And you know, the, the biggest thing for us, as you know, is to keep him on the mound and uh, keep him healthy. So uh, we're going to do whatever it takes to do that. And the Nats, of course, should. Uh, One other thing from Davey Martinez on Tuesday. He said that he would love for Cesar Hernandez to be the Nats leadoff hitter this coming season. Uh, I thought that that was interesting and at least somewhat surprising. Uh, The Nats on November 30th announced having agreed with free agent infielder Cesar Hernandez on a one-year contract. This coming season will be Hernandez's age 32 season. Uh, Cesar Hernandez primarily has been a second baseman, but he also has played shortstop and even third base. Uh, So he does provide some defensive versatility, uh, which the Nats lacked sorely last season. Uh, Cesar Hernandez did not have a good 2021 season. Uh, Hernandez in the 2021 regular season played for the Cleveland Indians and Chicago White Sox. He totaled 149 games. He over 637 plate appearances, had a batting average of just 232, an on-base percentage of just 308, and a slugging percentage of just 386, although he did hit a career-best 21 home runs. By the way, Uh, Cesar Hernandez's 2021 regular season is a prime example of why you can't just go by a guy's home run total when determining whether the guy is a good power hitter or has had a good power hitting season. Cesar Hernandez in the 2021 regular season totaled a career best 21 homers and yet his slugging percentage for the season was a mere 386. Uh, was very much lacking in doubles with Cesar Hernandez last season. But here was Davey Martinez on Tuesday on Cesar Hernandez. Yeah, I mean, he 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 actually, you know, last year he hit he hit 20 home runs, 21 home runs, I think. But you know, I talked to him a lot about 
you know, just, you know, we need him to get on base. Um, I, I love for him to be our leadoff hitter and he's done it. He's a switch hitter. Um, he swings the bat well from both sides, but you know, you know, the home runs uh, are going to come for him. I want him really to focus on, on getting on base, you know, uh, uh, taking his walks, um, and just, you know, hitting the ball gap to gap. That's what I remember most of him is that, you know, he got up there and he had a potential hit balls gap to gap, hit a bunch of doubles, um, you know, on occasion triple, but, uh, the other thing too, on the other side of baseball is his defense. You know, this guy's really good. Um, he's got great hands. I watched him work today. I watched him turn double plays today and he's really going to help us out playing, playing second base today. So, uh, I'm excited that he's here. Um, I, I know he's excited here. He's excited about, you know, playing with our guys and, uh, and I'm looking forward to having him this year. Yeah, so a very strong endorsement there from Davey Martinez on Cesar Hernandez regarding him potentially being the Nats' leadoff batter this coming season. Uh, well, whoever is the Nats' leadoff batter, I want to make this clear. I very much want Juan Soto in the number two spot in the Nats' batting order for this coming season. Uh, to me, the lineup should feature Soto in the two spot, Nelson Cruz in the three spot, and Josh Bell in the cleanup spot. Uh, those three guys, at least right now, are the Nats' best batters. So that can change, but as things stand right now, you're looking at Soto, Cruz, Bell as the top three batters in the Nats' lineup. And to me, what you want to do if you're Davey Martinez, just like what you want to do if you're any major league manager or any manager, period, is get your best batters the most played appearances possible, or at least close to the most played appearances possible. Each spot in the batting order is worth 17 more played appearances then the next spot in the batting order over the course of a 162-game season. So to me, as subtle as it may sound, don't have Soto batting third, have Soto batting second. Don't have Cruz batting fourth, have Cruz batting third. Don't have Bell batting fifth, have Bell batting fourth. I think that's the right way to be thinking about things. And, you know, if you want to put Bell third and Cruz fourth, okay, fine. But the idea to me really should be Soto in that two spot, not Soto in the three spot, and certainly not Soto in the four spot. Soto in the number two spot. A lot of teams in baseball now have their best batters batting in number two spots in lineups. Uh, That, to me, is where Juan Soto should be in the 2022 season. Uh, As for Cesar Hernandez's defense, which you heard Davey reference, uh, Hernandez in the 2021 regular season, over 1,227 innings at second base, totaled minus 11 defensive run saved. Uh, That is not a good defensive run saved total, but Cesar Hernandez in the shortened 2020 regular season, over 503 and two-thirds innings at second base, totaled plus six defensive run saved, and actually won the Gold Glove Award for American League second baseman. There are a lot of ways that the Nats infield could go in terms of who's playing where in the 2022 season, but it does sound like Cesar Hernandez will be the Nats starting second baseman this coming season. All right, that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Thursday show, episode 273, will feature whatever goes down with our commanders on Wednesday as we transition from the NFL's legal tampering period to the start of the NFL's new league year. The start of the new league year will be Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Uh, That's when free agent signings of players with expiring contracts can become official. That's when trades can become official. That's when teams must be in adherence to 
the salary cap. So a whole lot could be happening and or could be breaking with the commanders on Wednesday. It's possible that we'll have a Ron Rivera press conference, maybe even a Carson Wentz press conference on Wednesday. So do not miss Thursday's installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Also on Thursday's show, I'll talk Wizards. Uh, They will host the Denver Nuggets Wednesday night at seven. Hey, maybe the Wizards will not allow an opposing player to score at least 44 points for the first time in four games. That would be nice. Uh, Have a great rest of your Wednesday, and I'll talk to you on Thursday. When we start balling and we start, you know, playing our asses off, I want y'all to write the same shit y'all writing. At the end of the day, we came out of here with a W, so make sure you write that down. We came out of here with a W. That should be first. Y'all be easy.